Good morning, church. And I'll make you this promise that if you come to the meeting tonight, uh, I'll, I'll give you this promise like Elizabeth Taylor told one of her many husbands. I won't be keeping you long. All right? I'll make it short. We'll make it sweet. <clears throat> Just the facts. I'm sorry. It was a cruel attempt at a funny joke, but uh, it's good to have laughter in the church. It's okay to have laughter in the church. Amen? Last week we celebrated Easter, and that was a big high Sunday for the church. Uh, this is typically considered low attendance Sunday, and I think because when you compare that to Easter in the great crowds, it is going to be lower uh, by comparison, but it is lower attendance Sunday. So I appreciate you being here this morning. I know a lot of us had these, this thing called prom, and we were kind of engaged with that, staying up late. Not me. I'm in bed with the chickens, but my wife stayed up late to make sure my daughter's home safely, but for you to be here in church after a late night like that, I really do appreciate that. Um, it's always good to be in God's house. Hopefully, um, we're encouraged today. So if you'll open your Bibles to John chapter 20, I wanted to focus on a post-resurrection narrative uh, that I, I think speaks to me, and I believe it speaks to us as well as followers of Christ. And as I consider the journey, my faith journey, along the way, and the many different seasons of doubt that I had. Has anybody ever struggled with doubt? You know, seasons of uncertainty. I just don't know. You know, this is presented to me in Scripture, and I just don't, I don't know. And we go through those momentary seasons of doubt, and as I considered my own faith journey and all the early on doubts that I had, and I'll look where I'm at now, and I'm like, God, thank you for growing me in that. Those things that used to be questions are now like, oh, there's zero doubt now. I know what I believe. I know where I stand, and I'm grateful for the growth that comes through that. But we're looking at a, an individual who, if anyone should have known, if anyone should have been strong in their faith, then there probably would have been a lack of doubt. It would have been this guy named Thomas. Thomas is one of the 12 disciples of Jesus and uh, he's nicknamed Doubting Thomas. And I feel bad for him because that's kind of a bum rap for him. But that's why we're focusing on this theme of doubting. And uh, it's because of this man named Doubting Thomas. And he doubts because he misses out on the resurrection of Jesus. He wasn't there to see the resurrected Lord. And everybody else was. And so he was on the outside looking in. And they're all amped up and talking about it. And Thomas misses out. And he just goes through this momentary season of Doubt. Maybe you've been the same way in life. You know, it's, it's easy enough to doubt just in general life. Uh, we live in a world where you don't know what to believe, right? Right? So my dad used to say, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. And I'm like, the, lo the older I get, I'm like, man, my dad was a wise old sage, right? I mean, to, to believe none of what you hear because I mean, it's like, there's so many opinions and so many different voices out there. How do you discern what is truth and who to trust and who to, to believe? I remember early on when I was pastoring, like at the very beginning, and have marriage counseling. Somebody comes in, this woman comes in and says, here's what's going on. My husband did this, this, and this. And I'm like, your husband's a dirtbag. And if I have a chance, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line him out. Right? And then later I get to talk to the husband, and he's like, hey, man, I might be a dirtbag, and I acknowledge there's things I need to work on, but here's what's going on. And he starts to unpack his baggage, and I'm like, she is messed up. You know? And so I'm like, I'm confused. I don't, know, I don't know who to believe, right? And so I learned early on that you know, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. There's always three sides to a story. There's his, there's hers, and somewhere in the middle you might find that truth. And so I think that we all understand in the world we live in, it's just kind of sometimes hard to discern what is truth or what do we believe and what do we doubt, right? Any doubters in the room this morning? I mean, if you acknowledge the ones that are leading this great country of ours today, do you have some doubts? I do. I'm like, how in the world are they going to fix this? So we struggle with doubts, but when that doubt is carried over into our faith, 
I want to approach that for just a moment as we look at Thomas, is that doubt creeps into faith. I think there's a stigma in Christendom that says, hey, as Christians, we're supposed to just walk by faith, and there's zero doubt. And if you have doubt, then you're weak, or you're just not believing God, or you're, not, you're, you're you know, kind of failing in an area. And I just want you to know today, I believe there's room in our journey of faith, there's room for seasons of doubt, as long as we don't get stuck there, all right? And I will say this, not all doubt is created equal. There is those who are insincere doubters. You know what that means? They're, they really don't want to know the truth. They're insincere. They're not sincere. They're just like got these obstacles in their way because they don't want to believe what God's word says. And so like God says, I created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1. And they'll say, no, 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 we can't do that because that acknowledges there's a creator. So let's come up with our own theory. And we all came from nothing. I'm like, I don't have enough faith to believe I came from nothing. Or there was this big explosion and everything just, boom, was put together in perfect order, working like it does today, right? And so that's what happens when you're insincere in your doubt. You're saying, hey, I have doubts of the, the, the scriptures and the Christian faith because, you know, I, I don't want to believe what there is in truth. And then there's those who are uh, disappointed doubters. What I mean by that is we put people on pedestals. You know, maybe it's a mom or a dad or maybe it's a Christian couple or a boss that's a Christian or a pastor who leads a congregation. And we put a lot of hope there. And when that person fails in any way, Somehow we use that to say, I'm struggling in my faith right now because this person was supposed to be a Christian and, and they, they failed me or they disappointed me in a big way and now I don't know what I believe about Christ. And, and I feel sorry for people like that. And here's my counsel to that. Don't judge a holy God by my inability to keep his commands. Amen? We're, we're humans and we're going to screw up from time to time. And I would say, man, don't ever judge a holy God, a perfect God by his people's inability to walk in a straight line or to keep his commands. That, that's the, the doubter that's disappointed. And then there's the, the moral doubter. And I, I think that sometimes we can fall into this category. And that's believing would require changes in my life that I don't want to make. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I know what God's word says, but I'm just having doubts on my Christian faith. No, no. There's just things that I would need to change if I'm lining up with scripture that I don't want to do. And so I'm doubting my faith in this moment. Well, Thomas um, is neither of those, but he's what is considered an empirical doubter. And here's what that is. Believing would require information that I don't have. Anybody like that? I'm like that. And I don't want to just be gullible. You say it, and I'm like, oh, it must be true. They said it, right? It's on the internet. It must be true. I'll go Snopes it, right? We used to do that. Snopes, is this true? And then we learned that Snopes is slanted. Like, who do you trust? How do you know, right? And so we're, we're just wrecked with this all the time. And so I just think that sometimes we say, God, I just need some evidence. Before I jump on that bandwagon, I just need to see it for myself. This is where Thomas is that doubting Thomas. So let's read the passages in chapter 20, verse 24. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, named or nicknamed Didymus, which means twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And so this is post-resurrection. Jesus had showed himself to the ladies at the tomb, to a few others, and then now late in the evening, he met with the disciples behind the locked doors, but Thomas was not there. Verse 25, they told him, and the, the imperative there in the Greek is, it's the imperfect tense, meaning it wasn't just a one and done. They just wouldn't shut up about it. They're like, they kept telling him, we've seen Jesus. And they just go on and on. We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless, say unless. Ah, there's an open door, right? So I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. 
Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, look at my hands, put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Verse 28, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe. Most translations say that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, in this moment right now, I don't want to just flap my lips and speak words. I want to speak your words. So I humble myself before you and I ask that you just use me as a vessel. But I pray that on the other end, you would give us receptive hearts, receptive ears to hear what you might want to share with us today. Bring encouragement where there needs to be encouragement, Lord, and change us, transform us. Uh, By your holy name, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Thomas is missing out. Um, If you consider it, Easter Sunday was a big day. I mean, it was epic. I mean, this Jesus who had healed many, who had demonstrated many different ways that he was the miracle worker, was now dead and all of the disciples knew this that Jesus was dead and you know Judas has already gone out and committed suicide so there's 11 disciples left but in this night this this Sunday evening after the resurrection they were all meeting together but there was one missing it was Thomas now I would say this this area this region is not very big and so it's not a big stretch to say when Jesus was raised from the grave on Sunday morning there's a long time between morning and evening right plenty of time for the remaining disciples to go where's Thomas somebody go to Thomas's place and get him and let him know that Jesus is alive they had plenty of time and so the question is like where was Thomas you ever thought that the disciples were all together he was one of the disciples but he wasn't there that evening of the resurrection and so it begs the question where was he what was he doing Scriptures don't tell us what he was doing. It doesn't tell us where he was at. We just know that he wasn't there. He, didn't, he wasn't just late to the party. He missed it entirely. And man, they're on the inside. They're elated that they've seen the risen Lord. They've witnessed it with their own eyes. And there is no convincing them. Otherwise, Jesus is alive. And Thomas is like, man, I want to go there, but I can't go there because I know what I saw. And he's on the outside looking in. And so these guys are just stoked. And they keep telling him, hey, we've seen the Lord. Thomas wasn't there, and he missed out. And so this brings the question, is like, what if he had been there? If Thomas had been there that Sunday night of the resurrection, he wouldn't have missed out. He would have been among those who had seen the risen Lord, and we wouldn't be talking about doubting Thomas today. Are you following me? I'm thankful that it's in there, because I think there's some encouragement in there for us as well. And so Thomas wasn't there, he missed out. And so I think that one of the truths that we can take away from this is um, where we're at matters. If he had been there, it would have changed everything. And so we should consider this, that we as Christians should position ourselves or to put ourselves in environments and places that are conducive for our faith to be growing, right? We should consider, like, you know, if I want to grow in my faith, it makes sense that I would hang out in places where that's going to happen, that's conducive for that. Are you following me? And so, like, where does faith grow? I mean, how does it grow? Can I just give you the obvious? Let's talk about the Word of God. Our faith grows... By reading his word. I'm not saying that's a typical preacher answer. Yeah, you want us to read our Bibles? Yes, I do. 
Because there's power in the word of God. Amen? Amen. I mean, it's his revelation of himself to us. It is this accurate testimony throughout many different writers of the life of Christ. And so I just want you to know that our faith grows. He says, transform them by your, your truth. Your word right here is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. And so God's word is where we start at. It's like, how do we grow our faith? We get to know him through reading his word. Now, Shane, how do we know that the Bible is it? I mean, there are other religions too, aren't there? They have their holy books. How do we know? Can I just suggest this to you? There are about 2,500 prophecies throughout the scriptures. Out of those 2,500, 2,000 have been fulfilled to the, to the T in the life of Christ. Did, did you catch that? 2,500 predictions, prophecies, out of the 2,500, 2,000 have been fulfilled. What is the odds of that? What are the odds of one? prophecy like I mean I wish I could do that like hey 20 days from now xyz is going to happen I mean the odds are like way out there that I'd be accurate but 2,500 prophecies predictions about Christ out of that 2,000 have been fulfilled that should get our attention amen Amen. 300 prophecies were fulfilled by the life of Christ just in three and a half years that should get our attention right so we go like well how do why do we know the bible was like man who else can make those predictions those prophecies and see them fulfilled the bible can stand against any scrutiny or any skeptic there have been many people who've approached the word of god to try to disprove it Ugh, and it can't be done god's word is strong enough to handle the questions it's okay to have the questions. It's okay to say, you know what, you make this claim, but let me just go to his word and see what his word says. And, and just when we do that, he, he, can, he can stand it. Amen? Are you following me? So the word of God, we grow in our faith with the Bible, with the word of God. Also, with fellowship. How many know it's important who you hang out with? Scriptures say bad company corrupts good character. And that's so true, right? When you got parents and you got your kids, like you be careful who you're hanging out with. Because they have a tendency to rub off on you. Well, the opposite is true too. Good character can de- or good company can develop our character. And so, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. How much do you value being together with other believers in Christ? We should. If we want our faith to grow, it's like it's going to happen in the company of other followers of Jesus Christ. We're like saying, hey, man, I want to I yoke up with other people who believe the scriptures the way I'm trying to learn and grow and believe the scriptures. And so I'm going to hang out with these people. And in doing so, my faith is going to grow. Because we're going to spur one another onto good works. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to sharpen each other. It's important who we hang out with. And so I'm not talking about just in the context of church. I'll get to that one in just a second. But in the context of just daily life, I mean, every day we have the opportunity to just make friends that are kind of on the same page, right? The Bible says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I think that applies in just general in friendship. We don't, you know, ignore them or not be friendly to them. But when it comes to doing life, I'm going to yoke up with people who are like-minded because I want to grow in my faith. Are you following me? The Word of God and fellowship. And so Bible studies, getting involved in small groups, um, going out to lunch or dinner with another family of believers, like me, young married people just figuring this thing out, going out with us old geezers that got it figured out. <laughs> Don't we, Rach? No, not yet? Okay. I thought we were there, but we're not. So, but I mean, you know, just like there's wisdom to be shared among each one of us, and so there's value in growing and, and doing fellowship together. And, and another way that our faith grows is um, in church. This, this gathering together of the saints, this is special. 
And the writer of Hebrews said, hey, we should not neglect the gathering of the saints as some are in the habit of doing. How are we to fulfill all of the one another verses if we're not together with one another? So we shouldn't minimize those. We need to realize that if we want our faith to grow, we put ourselves in positions or in places where it's conducive for that to take place, where we can grow in our faith. And so back to Thomas. Let's look at this. Where was he at? He wasn't there, and because he wasn't there, he missed out. If he had been there, it would have been a totally different thing. But he wasn't there, and he's hearing these guys run their mouths about Jesus being alive. Now, at some point, eight days of this, they kept telling him, we've seen the risen Lord. I know already. Leave it. You're wearing me out, right? Just zip it, right? That's where I would feel like I would be at this point. It's like, I'm tired. You guys are like goofy. You've like, drink the Kool-Aid. What's going on with you? And so here's where Thomas is like, I, like, I want to believe you, but I saw what I saw. Jesus, this miracle worker who did raise Lazarus from the dead. And by the way, Thomas was no coward. He was strong and courageous in John chapter 11 when they said, we need to go back to Judea because Lazarus is, is sick. And he says, well, if he's sick, he'll get better. The last time we were there, they tried to stone you, Jesus. She's like, we got to go. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, because now you're going to see something great, and you're going to believe. And what is Thomas goes, let's go and die with him. Huh? Thomas is courageous, right? But he's also inquisitive. And so another time in the upper room, Jesus says, hey, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself. That where I am, there you'll be also. You know the way to the place that I'm going. Thomas goes, excuse me. I got questions. We don't know the way because we don't know where you're going. A little help here, right? And I love that because I feel like sometimes I'm his twin when it comes to the doubts. I mean, sometimes I got questions. And it's okay to have those questions as long as we're not stuck there. Thomas says, hey, how do we know the way? Jesus says, I'm the way. No way. Yahweh. <laughs> so Thomas makes this journey from doubt to faith, but not just faith, but to declaration and so uh, the, the thing I want you to know is, this is cool Jesus two times shows himself behind locked doors because they were fearful uh, of the Jews and so Jesus shows up and I think that what we can glean from that is there are no obstacles or boundaries keeping God from revealing his self to us and his truth to us if we're open to it isn't that cool it's like there's no locked door that can keep me out of your life there's no obstacle that can keep me from getting through to you. So the breakdown's not on his side, it's usually on ours. Amen? Amen? Here's something I appreciate about Thomas. Thomas is saying, look, you guys believe, but I will not believe unless. What he's saying is like, I'm not going to build my faith on your foundation. I'm not going to build my faith on your experience. I need to see for myself. There's some things that need to be, you know, I need to witness, I need to touch, I need to verify first, and then I'm more than willing to make that jump, but right now I'm on the fence, I'm uncertain. That's what doubt is. He's like, I just got doubts right now. What you're saying is, Jesus is alive. This is the miracle worker who, yes, I saw him raise the dead, feed the 5,000, open the eyes of the blind. We saw Jesus do everything, but when Jesus, the miracle worker himself, is dead, and you're telling me he's alive, that's just a hurdle that I'm having a difficulty go overcoming. Do you have some of those sometimes in your faith? I do. I remember early on, I had a lot of them. 
You read the scriptures, and it's just hard for us to just cross that line of faith. Like, God, I, I trust that as truth, and I accept that as truth. One of the early ones for me was, man, I was raised in a, in a, in a time when you just sneezed the wrong way. You might be going to hell again. I mean, it was just zero certainty or zero assurance that I was right with God. And so somebody would say, Shane, um, have you placed your faith in God? Yeah, yeah, I have. Do you, if you die today, would you go to heaven? I don't know. There's just this uncertainty. I mean, it wrecked me for so many years until I really started digging in the scriptures and looking at what the revealed truth was. And I wasn't relying on emotion or feelings, but on the declared truth of God's word. And today I can tell you, like Paul, I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Amen? So, I mean, you see these moments in life where we struggle with doubt, but we grow through those seasons of doubt to faith. That's the goal, as long as we're not stuck there. And so here's what Thomas had. He had authentic testimony. These guys were genuine. They were authentic. They were disciples who he had walked with for three and a half years. Surely you could trust their word, right? And they're all saying the same thing. He had the authentic testimony. Can I tell you that we as a church today, we have the authentic testimony of God's word? That it can be trusted? We have thousands of years of church history that proclaim to us that Jesus is alive. I got a newsflash for you. Jesus didn't go back into the tomb on Monday after last week. He's still alive. Do you believe it? I can promise you eight days after the resurrection, their level of enthusiasm was not like, okay, put all the decorations away. We'll celebrate it again. No, that, it radically altered their lives, right? Turn it upside down. And so we have this authentic testimony of God's word that reveals to us the truths about God and his plan for us. In fact, you go back to the purpose of John. I love this. John's letter, he says what his purpose is in chapter 20, but it begins with this, in the beginning. Sounds like Genesis, doesn't it? In the beginning God created. Well, John says in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us, clearly talking about Jesus, right? He became flesh and he dwelt among us. And so he begins to unpack or to give the evidence, the proof that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And so there are like 35 miracles throughout the Gospels. John focuses on seven. And seven I am statements to prove, to make the case that Jesus is Messiah and that Jesus is deity, Son of God. And he says, these things written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, you have life to the power of his name. You could even say this, that Thomas was uh, initially one of the followers of John the Baptist. And there's that place in Scripture where it says many of the followers of John the Baptist quit following him and they started following Jesus. Something somewhere proved to and demonstrated to him early on that Jesus was who he said that he was. And it radically altered Thomas's life. So, <clears throat> this authentic testimony he had that we have today, we also have, and I think this is an encouragement for us when we have moments of doubt. Jesus shows up. Listen to what it says. Eight days later. Okay, so eight days of listening to these guys go on and on. Eight days of just being miserable if you're Thomas. Or from their perspective, looking at Thomas like, doubter, you know, <laughs> and what are they saying to him? I don't know, but eight days is a long time. But I love this because it's like... Christ in his grace is like, hey, I left somebody out and I make sure that they're included in this thing. And so eight days later, the disciples were together again. 
And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. Just as he had said the first time. But this time, I'd like to take liberty and think he was looking at Thomas. Peace be with you. Because it follows that by saying, he said, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. What did Thomas say? I won't believe unless I see. Unless I put my fingers there. Put my hand in this. I love that image, by the way. What a beautiful Beautiful representation of that moment when Thomas says, I can't, I can't cross that threshold until I see some certain things. He says, Jesus says, all right, like as though Jesus were in the room and knew what he was saying. Thomas, here's what you said you needed. Here it is. Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. I love the patience of Christ. He didn't condemn Thomas. Thomas, you should know better. Come on, man. Right? How long have you been with me? You've seen everything I've done. Why now? What is going on with you? No, no, no. Peace be with you. Thomas, here, come here. Put it here. I love that. And I think he's patient with us as well. Amen? That's why I think it's okay to be open about it. It's like, you know, I'm just struggling in my faith right now. I've got some doubts. It doesn't mean I'm unwilling. It's just like I'm uncertain, and I, I just need some, a little push. And Jesus is patient with us, I believe, when we encounter uh, those doubts. And so another thing that Jesus lets Thomas have is he lets him have his wounds. He's like, hey, come here. What you said you need is physical touch. Here it is. Touch it. Touch it. And so Thomas steps towards Jesus, puts his finger there, his hands on the side, and he responds no longer with doubt and not just with a statement of fact but a declaration of a new found foundation, right? I mean, so Thomas was over here. He's like, I'm just uncertain. I don't believe unless I see it. Now he's been presented with a proof. The wounds have been presented to Thomas, and he says, my Lord and my God. Don't minimize that phrase because it's the first time it's used post-resurrection. The purpose of John's letter was for people to know who Jesus is and to believe in him, and they would have life through his name. And we see it come to its fulfillment in this one Apostle closest to Jesus, one of those closest to Jesus, like, you know what? My Lord and my God, zero doubt. His journey from doubt to faith. And I want you to know the same thing is true in our lives, too. We'll have seasons of doubt. We'll have seasons where we're having a difficult time just um, overcoming a hurdle in our faith. It was like, man, I know that God's word says this, but I'm just, I'm just having a hard time believing it to be true. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest, just vulnerable. There are times, I, there's a lot of things that I don't even question anymore. I just believe it. But I struggle with what he says about me. Anybody else do that? I know he loves everybody else, but God, I know me, and I'm a dirtbag. Right? I'm not worthy. And I forget what he says. Like, hey, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Right? I forget that he says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Shane, that speaks to you too. I still struggle sometimes in those moments of doubt. But as we continue to study his word and we continue to see the evidence, it's like God's drawing us to faith. He says, hey, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And for us to respond with this, my Lord, my God. What an ultimate declaration of faith. Zero doubt. Lord, I trust you. Can I ask you a question? Are you stuck? Are you stuck today in like maybe some momentary doubt? I'm like, man, I'm just wrestling with some things in my life, and I know what God's word says, or I know what people are telling me, but I'm just personally wrestling with that. Can I tell you it's okay to be open and 
transparent about that with God? He already knows. But just to be able to be honest with him and say, God, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I want to believe. I want to trust. But I'm stuck. I need a little help. Position yourself. Like, put yourself in an environment that's conducive for you to get past that, to push through that, and to grow in your faith. If it's like seeking counsel, if it's like opening up the word and saying, God, what does your word say about this with the intention that I won't believe unless I see? It's like just Thomas, hey, when you reveal it to me, God, I'll believe it. And all this, you know, we, got, we, we have that phrase, seeing is believing. That's where Thomas is at. It's like, hey, man, you believe because you saw it. But there's a whole multitude, over thousands of years of people who won't see what you just saw. And Jesus pronounces this blessing on them. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Church, that's us. We walk by faith and not by sight. Um, Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so he's saying it's believing in what you don't see. So we live this life of faith. One day, hallelujah, we'll be in the presence of God, no longer having to walk by faith but by sight. But right now he says the ones that believe without having to have all the evidence, those are the ones that are blessed. Do you feel blessed this morning? If you've placed your faith in Christ? We have his word. So I would say seek out counsel. Dig into his word. Are you willing to move beyond where you're at? Are you willing to move where he, whatever he reveals to you and to, to stand out on that? Um, the purpose, John says, for all of the things that are recorded in his book is that, you know what, I don't want you to have any doubt about who Jesus is. He was more than just a good teacher, Right? He was more than a, you know, just a good man. He is Lord and God. And that should be the ultimate goal for each and every one of us is to get to the point where we say, I have zero, to doubt, zero doubt. He is my Lord and my God. Amen? So that believing you'll have life by the power of his name. So what if we didn't allow ourselves to stay stuck? What if, we, what if we didn't allow ourselves to make excuses as why we're not progressing in our faith journey? And we're like, you know what? I just, you know, I was disappointed by someone. They just really hurt me, and I'm just stuck in my faith. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be one of those moral doubters. Like, yeah, there's things that I know you want to change in me, and I'm not willing to make those changes. So I'm just going to say I've got doubts about my faith right now, right? Sadly, we do that. But I want you to know that if our heart is to say, God, I want to know you, but I'm struggling here. There was a season in my life when I'm like, God, I need, I need proof. Um, I really feel like you're calling me to do X, Y, and Z. And God, I just, I want to know it's you. And here's what I want you to do. God, if this is you, would you let a star fall out of the sky? I've prayed that prayer. We laugh about it now, but I'm like, I was serious. God, if this is you, let a, a star fall from the sky. And I remember praying and believing and like just looking for a star. I don't need that anymore. In fact, I don't need any supernatural signs. I know what I believe. I know what God's word has revealed to me, and I believe his word is sufficient. Amen? And so to say, God, if you never show me any tangible proof this side of heaven, if you never let a star fall from the sky, or you want me to see the Virgin Mary in my toast, you know, hear those stories, all that, you know, whatever it may be, if you never let me see any of those things, God, I believe. I believe. And I'm not placing my faith on somebody else's you know, eyewitness account or, you know, in this case, like somebody else's faith. I, I've studied this for myself and I've come to know that this is, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Amen? What would happen if we would push beyond the doubt and, and not be stuck there? 
you know, to not fall prey to many doctrines that the Bible says in the last days there will be. It is crazy some of the things people come up with and they say, you know, I've been studying or, you know, I get this word and they, they just bring this revelation of what they call truth and you can't find it anywhere in Scripture. And I'm like going, red flags, alarms are going off in my head. Like that is crazy. The Bible says that's what it's going to be like in the last day. And so when we know the truth and we establish that truth and move beyond doubt to faith, it helps us to acknowledge and see that and to not fall prey to the counterfeits that are pushed at us. Also, we're not easily shaken in an uncertain world. How many know that there are things that happen to us that we'll experience in this life that can just shake you to your core? And I'm just comforted to know that no matter what goes on, that I have this bedrock of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This hope that Hebrews says is like an anchor for the soul, right? That no matter what happens in life, I know that God loves me, he's not abandoned me, and I know that one day when this life is over, I'll be with him for eternity. It does not move me. I'm not going, well, God, everything was great, and my life turned upside down, and I don't know where I stand with you. No, 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 there's none of that. In my life, it's like, God, I know you're in control. Even though I don't see what's going on and don't understand it, I know I know, God, that you're here, I know you love me, and I know you're in control. Amen? So maybe it would help us to be a little bit more stable in times of uncertainty. And I think also, and we we don't need to minimize this, but helping others along in their momentary seasons of doubt. There are people that are probably struggling. Think about this. Thomas was late to the party. Have you ever been late to a party? You miss out on so much. There's like the inside jokes that are being shared, and you're like, you come in late, and then you usually say, you just had to be here, Right? That's what they were doing to Thomas. He was late to the party. You know, all across the world today, here we are, we're hearing about it. We're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. We know what we believe, but across the globe, there are people that are coming every day late to the party. Right? They don't know some of the things. You know, they're just beginning their faith journey. And I think that, that brings up to me the, <clears throat> the idea that we should be patient with them as they're making the same faith journey that maybe we had to make back in the day. Amen? Patient with them, helping them along to know, like they got questions, we're like, we don't have all the answers, but we got the word of God and we got the counsel of others where the Bible says we're in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. So, hey, let's get together, let's study this thing out because I believe, I'm just crazy enough to believe that God loves us enough that he doesn't want us to just walk it alone and figure it out alone. Think about it like this. God, God you know, he, Jesus is crucified, buried, raised again. He ascends into heaven, and we'll see him one day. He's going to return. That's going to be epic, another epic thing, right? He's going to return. But in the meantime, it's like God says, I got these people that I I call my family, my children, and I want to lay out for them, you know, my plan and who I am and to know who I am. And then we're like, how do we we do that? And God's like, hey, I wrote a book. I gave you a manual. Have you heard it called Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth? (laughs) Bible. Like another one says, I'm using my Bible for a roadmap. I think everything that we need can be found within the contents of this holy book. It's been tested. And I choose to believe it's God's inspired word to you and to me today. And so we get to the point where it's like, God, I, I just, I trust your word. And people are doing this every day. And so when we come together, we're like, like listen, how can we spur one another on in our faith? And that's the beauty of it. It's a journey. And we start way off early in our journey, struggling just to, to make that first step. You mean that if I place my faith in Christ, that he forgives me of my sins and, and I'm, I'm his for eternity? Wow, that sounds too easy. Certainly got to be a different way, right? Maybe I need to work. No, it's not what Scripture says. Maybe I got to be the right family or the right church. No, it's not what Scripture says. It is by grace you have been saved. It's like a gift extended to you. And he says, 
to believe. Whosoever shall call upon my name shall be saved. It's good news, isn't it? And we begin our journey there, and then as we walk this faith journey, there will be seasons where we're going, Trinity, what? I, I, what? You're living in me now? What? <laughs> you want me to do what? And we start struggling with these things, and we wrestle. And I just think it's beautiful how when we're just honest about it and say, you know what? It's okay to have those seasons where we're uncertain about things. As long as they don't stick there, we don't get stuck there, but we're saying, God, here we are again. Here's another area where I need your help. And he just pushes us through on to our faith. And one day, one day, we'll stand before him. <laughs> what an amazing event that's going to be. No more doubt, right? And consider this. The Bible says that our resurrected bodies, I mean, I think somebody, um, you know, lives on this earth and they, they die and they lose a limb. I don't think they're going to have a, a limbless, you know, body in heaven. I think it's going to be a, a new, restored body in heaven. What was it going to look like? But I don't think they're going to be encumbered by those things again. Man, I think that there's going to be an amazing, you know, witness of the resurrected body for us. But the only scars in heaven will be the ones that are on the hands of Jesus. Maybe you've heard that song by Casting Crowns. The only scars in heaven won't belong to me and you, right? There will be no such thing as broken. All the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile, even as the tears fall down, is the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now. Are you grateful? For Christ, one day we'll see him and we'll see those same scars. We'll see that wound in his side. And what a beautiful moment when we say, Worthy, worthy, worthy. Amen? Where are you at in your faith today? I hope that you've placed your faith in the gospel, that you start there, but I hope that you're progressing in your faith, that you're not stuck in momentary, you know, seasons of, of, of doubt and just uncertainty but that we're all pressing on and pressing on in our journey so that one day we stand before him and we'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. My Lord, my God. Father, I thank you for this example of Thomas um, that, Lord, he, he, he did miss the party. And as a result, we're talking about it today. And we just see your grace in going out of your way to meet with them again, including Thomas this time. We, we read on in chapter 20 of your restoration of Peter. You didn't leave Peter hanging as well. God, it just is a beautiful picture of your grace to us. Lord, and we're reminded of your patience with us in our seasons of doubt. And Father, I pray that you would just help us uh, today to understand just how important and significant our doing life together is and your word is to us that we would uh, not wait until Sunday to hear Pastor Shane say, open your Bibles. That's like eating one meal a week. We'd be seriously malnourished if that's the case. But God, give us a desire to open your word, even if it's just a verse a day, anything, to get your word into us. Lord, that you would surround us with people who are going to build us up, not tear us down. Father, that we would value being together corporately for worship, celebrating, even today, the risen Savior. And Father, until you bring us together again one day around your throne, I pray, God, that we would live our lives in a way that would please you. And God, we would um, consider this faith journey where we're at. If there be someone here today that's not placed their faith in you, I pray that they would take that step of faith and trust you they would trust your plan for them. And I pray that you would just grow us a little bit more in our faith today. Lord, we humbly thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.